Hello, and welcome back for another episode featuring yours truly. I guess I should say our names, but we're going to introduce ourselves. Anyways, we're back for 99 Problems and Bitch, you might be one of them, except this week we're complaining about school vouchers. Just to review, this podcast has three hosts, me as Flash Flood, me as Rage, and I'm Riptide. Awesome. So let's talk about something positive. Um, I'll start. My season of excessive planning is finally at a close. The important part here is that the last month I had my mom's birthday, my husband's birthday. There was Valentine's Day, which I don't have to do shit for. Then there's my birthday. I don't want my friends to think that that was me saying, wow, I wish someone would plan something for me. Please don't. But it's just a lot of plannings and plus my daughter's birthday. And I am tired of planning. And so I'm glad that I get to take a break from planning and to just sit back and relax. You know, always a planner, never invited. At least I get a break now. So hooray. I can't with you. Um, how did that birthday go? Uh, it was good. She had oodles of fun, um, which is really the important part here. Um, and I did not, I don't know. I don't know the typical cost of a child's birthday party, but I didn't spend money that I don't think was worth being spent. Sometimes I feel like people do a lot of things for other people and they get caught up in it and then they regret it because people will complain or whatever. Um, I had good pizza. I had my favorite wings. My child also enjoyed the pizza, not so much the wings. I don't think she likes meat. Um, And she really enjoyed going down the slide into the ball pit that I rented about a thousand times. And there were some other kids there that had a really good time as well. It was short and sweet, only two hours. So, and then they picked up the kit at six o'clock. So it was like, y'all got to go home, but the kid is gone. So you got to get the hell out of here. So that was great. That sounds awesome. Look at her like in the slide, just like her daddy. Yeah, I know. I've never known a toddler to love a slide so much. I didn't even know that toddlers liked slides. So it's just a miracle to me that just her and her father share this between the two of them. No other toddler has ever liked that. What a blessing. Mm -hmm. Girl, I hear you over there rage typing. I'm not rage rage typing. (laughs) Um, I'll just get on to my positivity point. I did my laundry and I put everything away. That's really an accomplishment. Shout out to you. That is because, you know, like you got to wash and dry and then fold and then put away. That's a lot. That's like 20 steps. Right. It takes all day. It should have been a good day. It does. Mm hmm. Yeah, I might fold, but I'm not hanging up and folding in the same day. So, <laughs> um, my positivity point, what do I have? Oh, I'm no longer obese as of today. I'm just overweight, according By to white the, white man's, yes, Thank you. the white man's <laughs> BMI index. Either way, Look at you. It was, it's nice. Now I need them to update my chart so it can stop saying I'm about to die. Look That's at you it. doing weight. The, <laughs> look at you doing weight the white way. How's that feel? Uh, the medical community doesn't really give you a choice, but I did post on TikTok yesterday about how I'm sick of people being like, you look amazing now. And it's like, bitch, I always looked amazing. I'm just skinnier. You did. 
I do think I feel like I commented something on your thing. Oh, because you were flexing with your saggy body. I'm so sorry. That sounds really shady if you don't know us, okay? I'm Was done. this the video? Right. The one I sent yeah. you? You post well, you posted one with the swimsuits. Oh, where it yeah, was like my look at my booty. swimsuits then. And now I, yeah, Hank Hill looking ass. I'm For sorry. the record, my butt looks better in person now than it did before. It just takes up oh, less room in the swimsuit bottom. Yeah, um, so and, any- and then yes, her swimsuits are all saggy on her now, and so it was it was a flex of all sorts. But she has always been a bad bitch. So, yeah. <laughs> all right, are we ready to talk about school vouchers? No, I know. Um, they're awful. So, I feel like we're all on the same page. Not all that informed on them, but I informed on them enough that. They piss me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not gonna lie. I think I said I don't know shit about them beyond like some movie I watched. I don't even know what the movie was that I watched. It might have even been just a TV show. But from my understanding, and I know Riptide is gonna come in and educate all of us because she's annoying like that. Um, I'm, I just hurt her feelings. She's on mute, but she gave me the eyebrows. Um. But it's like, it's just a system that they have in cities to give vouchers to people so that they can go to schools that they otherwise would not have had access to. I believe probably what private schools of of, of all types. Um, but, you know, first of all, as to my everyone who's here, that is your understanding of vouchers, right? Um, basically. Yeah, they work a little but, different everywhere. But... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I think it, I mean, they all really, they, it falls into this like larger thing of like school choice. And then that's like the mechanism by which they give people access to select schools or more. They, that's how they increase families' school choice options. Right. So, but I also feel like it's like obviously a band aid and it's one of those things that, you're going to support it if you benefit from it. So you're going to say, well, this is great for me and my family. Like my son deserves an opportunity. But for the bigger picture, it screws everybody over. Um, and I feel like it's hard because we so rarely get to see bigger picture change. I can understand why a family is going to accept that school voucher and do what they got to do to get where they need to go. But like, I don't know. It's just really hard to convince someone to be against it if you really need it because ain't shit else going to change. So, Yeah, I guess that's hard because it's like, yeah, I understand that you want your child to have the best access to education, but it like what cost everyone else. It's very hard to make you think of everyone else when you're just out here trying to fucking survive. So, And, like, does that really benefit your child? I was trying to read up on this um, earlier, and I saw an article that says that there are mixed results to these um, increased school choice options across different states. And there's different um, research studies that have been done in different places. And then it's the research is just kind of scattered i feel like some people are saying like in some states like students do benefit from them but there's also cases where um moving from like a public school to a private school the student who comes from the public school to the private school ends up performing worse but 
then you also have to consider like why are they performing worse are they actually performing worse or are they performing at a lower level because the standards are different in that school do they not have the right support in that school um like some kids like just don't like it but there's also like studies that show that parents who wanted their kids to go to a private school and now are able to then their like satisfaction ratings have increased which obviously but what does that really mean for the student um then they'll also do studies on whether increased school choice um increases the likelihood of the students graduating from high school or going to college. And then those reports don't necessarily um, look at whether or not the children who went to college actually finished. Um, mm. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think I just want to start by being clear that I don't blame the recipients of the support for taking what they need because i mean like one thing that rage says is like it's hard to tell someone to think about other people instead of thinking about themselves absolutely and that's really what this is but at the end of the day we're asking people who have minimal access to resources or fewer access to resources to think of the bigger picture and like more people but we're not asking people who are super rich to think of other people besides themselves so i'm not going to ask a poor person to do what a rich person clearly is not doing so more so fuck the system burn it down i hate education right that so that was the main complaint with um you know i don't live here anymore but i don't pay attention to what goes on here i only know what happens back home so in iowa's uh bill that they just passed this year that everybody was pissed off about um they said that um every iowa public school student would be eligible to receive like eight thousand dollars to for uh school or whatever and that also existing private school students could use it. So to be eligible, the first year you have to be 300% or below 300% of the federal poverty line, which is $83,250 a year. And then year two, you have to be below 400%, which is $111,000 a year family income, a fucking lot of money for people who are already in private schools. And by year three, there's no income requirements. So essentially... Three years from now, the people who were sending their kids to school are going to get money back, and that money is diverted from public schools. I think yes, those are the bullshit oh. ones, one hundred percent. And see, that's one of my biggest critiques of charter schools, as we saw in Abbott Elementary, is that they pull resources from the public schools, they steal all the kids, they handpick the kids that they're allowed in there, and that helps them get the results. So that they can say all of our kids go to college, but even though all of your kids don't stay in college, but also you handpicked all the kids who you projected to go to college and you booted everybody else back to the public school, which has few less funding and fewer resources and cannot afford to pay teachers. So they have lower performing results. I could go on about this forever because I hate charter schools and I hate school vouchers and what they do. Um, again, not the recipients, just the whole game. It's just bullshit. Um, and I hate it all. Yeah, it's really trash. I know. Um, so most of the research I did was just looking at this Iowa one because I knew everybody was pissed about it. Um, but NPR actually did something about it, which is how you know it was trash. Because why does NPR care about Iowa? No one cares about Iowa. Um, so it's the private school choice can't help if there's no private school to choose. So 40% of the counties in Iowa don't even have a private school. 
So they're doing all of this and it's only benefiting roughly half the state. What about the kids who live in the rural areas? Um, one of the articles that I looked at said something similar. Um, the art, so it sounds like Iowa's and Texas is school choice programs are going to be similar. So it, in Texas, um, they talk about school choice as far as like you can ch- you can send your kids to public, private, charter, um, or homeschool options. Um, it's up to you. Um, but the voucher debate is about giving people access to private schools. Um, but we had previously kind of talked about this is that like people who already have money are already sending their kids to private schools. Like they don't need the additional money. So now you're drawing the funding away from money that would have traveled to a student to a public school. And like now it's taking that money from the, from the public school pot out because you're taking the kid out and sending them to a private school, which is fine if you're actually taking the kid out of the public school and sending them to the private school. But if you're drawing money out of thin air because your kid had never gone to a public school, that money never existed. And then what you had just said is that um, I quoted this from a, from another article. It said, you only have a choice as much as there are options. So if you're in a rural area, you probably only have one school. And not, I'm, you know, so I'm sure that's not the case everywhere. But let's say you live in a rural area where you only have one school. Are you, do you think a bunch of private schools are going to just pop up? And if so, how do you, um staff that school how do you fill the seats in that school are you like what are we doing right another point that i saw was about how again it it mostly benefits those who are already in private schools because most of the vouchers especially like the one not for charter schools specifically but the ones that include private education a lot of them don't cover the full cost of tuition so it's just like a partial like $8,000, which we know that that doesn't cover shit in these days, right? So if you're already in school, it's like, oh, I get a discount. But if you're trying to send your kid to private school, it's like, oh, it's partially covered, but I still have to scrape all this extra money up to cover the tuition for the entire year. And then potentially still have your kid be discriminated against. So that's a whole other thing. Man, and I just want to say that I told somebody that, like, that's bullshit. And someone was like, that makes you tough. No, it it doesn't. Mm. Were they you what about the kids that are, system? like, the kids and the teachers that are discriminating against you aren't going to, be- like, what is the benefit to them? Power. And your benefit is you get tough. What? Trauma. Um, Years right. of therapy to recover. But you from got a goals. better education. You should be grateful that your parents did what they needed to do to get you something special. By letting other people treat you like trash? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So we've been reading this book. <laughs> and for the most part, we Are we talking about this trash ass book? Only the education part. The one thing I did like about the book, they want to advance the kid to a higher grade. But they're taking yes. into consideration the social, socio, you know, SEL. Okay. I can't say the word. Yeah. 
Um, and so I think that's important. I just like any transition for a child, you can't just move them from one complete environment to another without considering how it's going to impact them. Cause there's different cultures at private schools versus public schools. There might be different uniform requirements. They might be all white, especially in Iowa. Go ahead. That is an, well, that's an accurate statement. And in that book, they actually kind of, they talked more beyond that. I'm going to spoil just a bit for you. Um, sorry, it's not going to ruin anything for you. But the daughter who was also at that school was like, mm, I don't want to be the only one of myself anymore. I would like to go to the public school and be around people who look like me. That's what I'm into. That's what I want to be around. And I mean, that's something important to be considered in which it's, it's trash that you have to, and it was a decent school and everything. Probably they were, they let us know that they were in a rich neighborhood and they drove Range Rovers the entire damn book. Anyway, um, but it's trash that that has to be such a choice that people have to make. Uh, do I run, want to be around people who look like me or do I want to be around a school that has a lot of resources and high funding? Right. And then, right. And then like was mentioned earlier, like the outcomes just aren't first of all it's a hard thing to study because you can't really compare one kid against another and say oh this kid did this and this kid did that because everybody has individual life circumstances and family family dynamics so access is only one part of it but you know that this country this is going to get me on a different rant but this country loves to pretend that access to education is going to end racism um when Mm. racism is systemic and there's a whole lot that goes into that um But basically, I really do hate voucher programs, and I really don't like private schools because of the way that they discriminate, not just in admissions, but during the child's education experience, especially having teachers who are of a different racial, ethnic, socioeconomic status and not understanding or making the efforts to learn about the different cultures present in their schools. Um. And then, you know, don't let your kid have a disability because they ain't getting into no fucking private school. Yep. Yep. Oh, we don't we don't actually have the stuff to service your kid. Um, we're really sorry. Um, so you could come here, but they would not have because we just don't have that here because we're a private school. So we can do whatever the hell we want. And we don't have to provide services to people with disabilities. It's right. awesome. That's- that's the other thing that I feel like people don't realize is that private schools and a lot of charter schools, depending on your your county setup, don't have to meet the standards, which means they don't have to follow the like the different policies that are in place to protect students with disabilities or of different um, sexual orientations or, you know, just in general. Go ahead, Rachel. Sorry. Uh, don't apologize. Um, yeah, no, I was gonna follow along the same lines. Um, I, um, my godson, um, his mom tried to enroll him in private school. I want to say that this was as early as last year. Um, she thought that, um, having a smaller class size would be beneficial to him. So she applied for a scholarship for him and she was given the scholarship, but she met with the school beforehand because, um, he has his own mental health issues and, um, you know, other issues that, that requires additional support. The school told her that they would support him. And then, um, what are those plans called? For students 
I don't know if it's different every state. An IEP plan. She's in Illinois. Oh, IEP. Okay, so IEP. Um, they said that they would support it, and then when he was actually there day one, um, I think that first week it they just did not do anything. Um, so she ended up having to unenroll him. Um, and luckily for her, like they did provide the scholarship for him, but now you've got this kid moving back and forth in one year because you're jumping semesters, but like three, three different schools and why? Yes. And for clarification for our listeners, um, Riptide mentioned a 504 plan. And then there's also the individualized education plan. I feel like you probably described more so a 504 plan, but honestly, it could have been an IEP. It varies. Um, But basically, they are two plans in place used to support students with disabilities. The biggest difference is that an IEP is for students whose disability impacts their ability to learn. Um, And the 504, it does should have no bearing or impact on their ability to learn or access the instruction, but it's like legal protections in place and accommodations and stuff like that. And and so schools are, schools are supposed to adhere to it, but public schools do private and charter schools do not. So that's another issue with what, like that's what Riptide was saying, right? Is that if you're a private school and now you've got public funding going to your private school, um, taxpayers should expect to have a say in what happens in that private school. Um, but that's not the case. So part of these new laws um, should address that. Um, and I think some of them do um, because there is a concern for this funding going to schools that aren't even accredited. Like, what if you got this money and you're sending your kids to a school that starts with D and ends in A? Because it's, you know, just super artistic. (laughs) Like, are you really benefiting from that? What's the benefit in sending your kid to a private school that has no accreditation? Oh, don't even get me started on celebrities building their own schools versus investing into the schools which are already in in existence. This pisses me off so bad. And then charter schools... All the teachers don't even have credentials. Some people we may know, may not know, worked in a charter school without having a teaching license and did a lot of unethical things because that's what people who are not teachers do when they're given positions of power and they're like, and they adhere to their, like they make them stand in lines or they get demerits. Your shirts must be tucked in or you get demerits. It's very institutionalized in some of these schools. It's, and then it's, it's people who think that they know the best for kids. And I'm not saying that like they don't need a variety, a diversity, and mo- most importantly, funding. But those people don't even know how to teach kids. They just be in that position. And they're like, well, I have a four-year degree, so I can teach in the subject area. If that. So my siblings went to a great unaccredited religious-based school. Not going to talk too much about their experience because it's theirs. Um, but definitely, like, they just had random ass members of the church as their teachers. They learned from these, like, books that I forgot what they called them. Basically, it's just like worksheets every day, but they were all religious based. And they really struggled. Two of my siblings ended up transitioning to the public school, and they really struggled with the transition because they were so far behind. One of my siblings continued and graduated from there and then struggled with going to college and 
mainly like learning how to make friends and be around people because there was like eight people in the entire fucking school. And then there was the religious trauma of being told she was going to go to hell for wearing shoes with Disney characters or moving off of campus. Um, So that's another aspect of the amount of religious trauma that occurs in private schools is off the chain. I think a summary or a brief review is that a lot of the things that are put in place with the illusion of supporting the community are actually like just fake. Because I think of like the charters, the school vouchers, but I also think when you're talking about, you know, your kid gets into a private school and the diversity is off. I thought about the selective enrollment schools, which I think they also have in New York as well as Chicago and probably also LA, um, where the diversity in Chicago is intentional. It's like 30% Hispanic, 30% black, 30% white. And I understand that that was very like washed over because I know Afro Latinos, white Hispanics, all those things, whatever. Um, from the basic understanding of race and ethnicity, that's what their breakdown tends to look like. So they are intentionally made to be diverse, but it's like, but this is still a bandaid because you don't have enough of these with enough um, support and enough whatever it's called finances and all those things to go around the entire city so people have to go through a lot in order to get there and I remember when I was interning in a school with a really crappy neighborhood school high school for the kids these kids are in I think they take a test in seventh grade which determines where they can apply come eighth grade I was a dumbass in seventh grade and I hated taking tests And I absolutely would have ended up screwed over because I would not have taken that seriously because you're 12 and 13. And that that depends where you can, that like bases off where you can apply and your ranking and whether or not you'll get into those schools. And then provided that you get into it, um, you better either A, have a parent who's able to drive you there, which if your parents are working, you can't, or B, be able to take public transportation and you might be on two buses and a train at five o'clock in the morning, getting home at seven o'clock at night, walking through dark areas by yourself because, I mean, you're going to a school that perhaps you don't know anyone else from your neighborhood who's going there. It's just ridiculous that you would expect that from an actual child because, and then one of my biggest issues was that a lot of my kids, their parents didn't want them traveling that far. So of course you want your kid to get a good education, but you don't want them traveling that far on CTA. And that's very, that's incredibly valid because it's not safe. Right. Also, your local school is not safe either. So this is also like reminding me like the intentional diversity, again, the emotional aspect, but also thinking of cities like St. Louis. Yeah, going to call y'all out. I know as of 2013, they still had DSEG busing. If you're wondering what DSEG stands for, it stands for desegregation because the city's that fucking segregated still Mm -hmm. to this day. I don't know if they still do the busing. Um, But again, you create this intentional diversity in the schools, but they're living in segregated communities. So again, do you have the supports in place to just dump a bunch of fucking middle schoolers who are literal trash because we're all trash in middle school And all of a sudden now they're around cultures they've never been around before without any information, without any support of how to learn and support each other. And just a lot of stereotyping and bullying and bullshit. 
So glad you mentioned this. So I'm just going to mention the school because I don't have time to filter this. So come at me, bro. But when I was in grad school, I had a teacher who used to, I believe, be either the principal or the AP at Whitney Young High School in Chicago. Hooray, Dolphins. And I want to say that she said that when she worked there, there was a lot of intention and a lot of funding towards helping the transition for the kids who were from different neighborhoods. Because obviously, you're from a school with an under-resourced school. You might be behind kids who are not from those schools. Because they're intentionally, their numbers are supposed to be intentional, that they're accepting a, a certain number from different neighborhoods to make sure that they're giving those kids access. Then we have the issue of people like lying about their address so that they have a higher chance of getting in. People are trash. And they always try to rework the systems to give their kids who already have access more access. But neither here nor there. The point is that she said that when she worked at the school, they were very intentional about their efforts to assist those kids in that transition from their school to this school and being in that setting. But they, since I don't know if they're still doing it now, I'm pretty sure there was an issue that they were not still doing that. This was probably like 20 years ago when they were really invested in that and they are no longer invested in things such as that. So, I mean, they might be today, but they definitely weren't like 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Yes. 10 years ago. No, maybe they brought it back, but probably not because people do love to forget that shit. Yeah. This just reminded me. So (laughs) I participated in this program. Um, so in Des Moines, there's this school called, well, it used to be called Central Academy. I think they changed its name. And so basically, like, initially, I think gifted students could go there, but then they, well, it started out as a high school a long time ago. Hopefully no Iowans are listening to this because I'm about to butcher the history of Central. Anywho, so basically like eight through high school, you could go there and take optional classes, but a lot of people of color weren't going. So they created this program where they pulled minority gifted minority students from all the different middle schools to go together in seventh grade um and one they were not prepared for our ratchet asses okay the white teachers were shook but two like they didn't really do anything on the emotional aspect at an eighth grade when everybody could come it was a big transition from just being like surrounded by people of color and people who knew your experiences to then being around a lot of like white students who had access to a lot of resources their whole lives and were really wealthy. So I don't know if that program still exists, but it was definitely interesting. Um, I also, so I went to a charter school. Um, I guess it was a charter school. Um, I'm sorry. I'm like 99% sure it was a charter school for my senior year of high school. Um, so I went to like, so I actually went to three different high schools. Two of them were public schools. One was a very well-funded high, high, high school. Um, I went that there for my sophomore and junior year. Um, I don't know. I would, I didn't, I, I wouldn't know how to classify the first one. Um, but it did have high dropout rates. Um, but there were benefits to the school, I would say. Um, and then the last one uh, was that charter school. Um, but I, I had to go there because when my uncle tried to enroll me in the public school, um, for whatever reason, the public school would not allow my enrollment. Um, and it wasn't because of where I lived because, um, my uncle was able to enroll my younger brother there four years later. 
but I did enjoy, I did enjoy my, um, charter school. Um, they had a lot of like technology and programs that I, I think the public school maybe didn't have, but I also think public schools get a bad rap when they're, especially when they're underfunded because the first public, public high school that I went to had a really great music program, had a really great theater program, had like all the shop classes, um, all the like practical skill classes that you could think of. Um, didn't have great sports, but like everything else was, I thought really good safety. Mm, I don't know. We lived in an area that like, we had like a lot of gang activity and, um, you know, we would get pulled out of class and would have to go through metal detectors randomly. Um, we'd have like put like drug dogs sniffing our hallways. Um, all that aside, everything else seemed great. Yeah, I really think the key takeaway is that the better response to, I guess, lack of access to resources and crappy education system would be to throw away the system or reinvent it and actually appropriately resource your public schools. Because I think it says something that in spite of all the adversity against public schools that you still have schools that are able to shine in spite of like people taking things out of them. I mean, part of it is probably somebody laundering funding and doing something shady, but also it's because they are staffed with people such as Janine Teagues who are really invested, working overtime, um, buying things themselves for their classroom and their students and working to make sure that their kids are adequately prepared for things in spite of their lack of access to resources. So, I mean, seems good to me. Yeah, I wish that we lived in a time and space where people did fund them appropriately and, like, we started building up our communities in general. Like, I actually live in a, in a neighborhood that does have a community school, a public school um, in our neighborhood, but I've lived in several areas that haven't had that. I lived in areas that don't have public parks, um, that don't have like, you know, a neighborhood store or, um, or we live in food deserts and stuff. They're like too much of this. Um, no public transportation. All of these things I think matter in a neighborhood in order for you to build relationships with your neighbors, in order for you to value the people around you and to value what happens in your schools. Um, and without any of that, then like, I don't know, I guess it makes sense that we're like that because I feel like that's that just, I wrote in my notes that I feel like that really much falls in line with like American individualism um and capitalism so who knows i think it's wishful thinking yes and on that note <laughs> are you ready for some petty problems yes <laughs> okay all right in this segment of the show, we're going to read through some letters from our listeners regarding their petty problems or things that they think may be petty. To have your letter read aloud on the show, email us at 99problems.pod at gmail.com. Dear Villains, I was, promoted to, I was promoted at my job a few months ago. This whole management thing is new to me. 
but I think I'm getting the hang of it. There are a few things I don't like, but overall it's been good. One thing I don't like is all the complaints. Okay, to be fair, I'm really just annoyed with the one with one thing in particular right now. I'm trying to be a good manager and make sure I listen to my team, but one person was complaining to me the other day that they don't get enough hours, but then they complain that they never get to go home early, and I'm just left like, okay. So I set the schedule, and I'm not giving you enough hours, and I'm not giving you enough time off at the same time, so which one is it? Am I allowed to respond, or was I supposed to just listen to their complaints? Sincerely, new to management. Listen to their complaints because people just complain. Yeah. I could never be a manager. I don't like adults because they that's all they do. I feel like, too, if you're talking about, like, going home early, but you're in an industry where, like, people get cut or get to go home early, I could be completely wrong. But I feel like everyone wants more hours, but they also want to be the one that gets cut and gets to go home early. Like, I feel like that's just, like, part of working he wants to fucking work but yeah i mean i would just ignore them unless they continue to complain and then i might say you need to like have a meeting about your schedule and your hours and your expectations like (laughs) what you want yeah i think you do have to walk a a fine (laughs) shit i lost the words i think you have to be careful with how you respond to that my initial response was to just let them talk and move on. But if they if it does keep coming up, then they probably want to say something to you and don't know how to say it without sounding like they're complaining. Like instead of making a request or whatever, they're just like talking shit. But in that case, you can. I think at that point you can respond, but it should probably be a little more professional than what I would do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was... I don't have any advice because I hate adults and I would probably say that to them, which is why I'm not in a manager position. I would say on this date, you said this. And on this date, you're saying this. Now I'm trying to listen to your complaints and respect you, but it's really hard because I'm getting mixed messages. So what is your priority here, bitch? <laughs> and then right. I would get fired. on the bitch. Us. <laughs> As somebody who, again, sorry guys, I'm this person. I was I was on Instagram the other day and I followed this therapist account and she really just like smacked me in the face. But as someone who's worked really hard to stop reading people's emotions and trying to predict what they want because of the way I grew up, like as adults, people are supposed to communicate their needs and be direct and not use passive aggressive communication. So outside of a managerial role I definitely would ignore the fuck out of this unless you directly spoke to me about it but as a manager I think at some point I'd have to be like okay I can't keep pretending like this person isn't doesn't have an issue because that's how you you um lose workers um but yeah that's all I have to say about that one I'm glad you pointed out the problem of reading too far into things because is people are really in because you're right sometimes they do just want to complain or not even just complain sometimes they're just making a statement like maybe that applied that day so there's also the possibility that they were saying something that applied that day that doesn't always apply and i'm only saying this because the other day i my boss asked why didn't you do this and i said i didn't do this because of this 
and I did not do X because of this as well. And she was like, well, you've mentioned this twice. Are you saying? I said, ma'am, I was just answering the fucking question. (laughs) Like Nobody was complaining. I was just telling you that I didn't do it because I was doing something else. (laughs) It didn't have to be a complaint. So sometimes like Riptide just mentioned, sometimes you're reading too far into things. And also sometimes people need to learn how to be assertive and communicate. So if I didn't say this is taking away from my ability to do my job, you should have just ignored it and kept it fucking pushing. Yeah. But I do think the fact that you're considering this shows that you're going to be a great manager. Mm, Probably not. Because, I mean, well, at least on the empathy part. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard because, like, in order to be a good manager, I feel like you have to listen to people, but you also have to know your boundaries really well because people will test them. And yes, they will call I, off at the last minute. And and it's like, yeah, I get you were sick, but you called off because your cat was in the vent. Bring your ass in. Not your cat. Okay. If my this cat is a was true legit story. in the vent, this I is a true story. Work. <laughs> um, but I'll I never forget. Say- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I'll never forget the manager being like, because she had called, this coworker had called off for that cat a bunch of times. And the manager, and you know I love cats. The manager was like, it's time for that cat to go. Like, the cat needs to die. It's been on its last leg for the last year. And she keeps calling off for this cat. I'm ready for Sparky to lose its life. Not calling off more for the cat than you would for a kid. Child. Um, And honestly, she was probably calling off for cocaine. But that's neither here nor there. Go ahead. I mean, that's here and there. I will say, so in my position now, I work with a lot of people who are in like managerial roles or supervisor roles. And we spend a lot of time on the Dear Man technique, which is an assertive communication technique, which is on Google for free. So if you're a manager and you struggle with communicating assertively and empathetically, Check it out. Also, if you're a regular person who's passive aggressive, please stop and also look at the tear man technique because we don't we don't like it. Um, Describe the situation. Express how you feel about the situation. Assert yourself. Reinforce your request. Mindfulness is vital. Keep your focus on what you want. Avoid distractions. Appear confident. That means that you're speaking, your head is up, you're you're making eye contact, you're not looking down, your voice is clear and firm. Negotiate. Negotiating? Why the fuck am I? And I, I want the dear ma strategy. I'm not negotiating shit. I mean, so again, dear ma. Is, I always just do the turn the tables technique, which is like, you present the thing and you're like, does that work? If not, how do you think we should solve this problem? Which works great until you get that stupid man who's like, oh, no. Oh, I'm about no. to use this on my boss. <laughs> okay. Yes, I love Dear Man. Um, anything else on this question before we move on to the next one? No, we're good. Okay. This one is from Single, but I have a nice blanket. They say, mm. look, I think I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to share this anyway. Hopefully you all enjoy this. I hope so, too. I'll give you the short version because the full story is true chaos. I was dating this person and they broke up with me in the middle of the night at their place. I'm sorry. That's awful. So in addition to being broken up with, they kicked me out of their house or well, they tried to. We were in bed and they were yelling at me to leave, but they were using my blanket. So I said I wasn't leaving without my blanket. They forgot it was mine and I wouldn't budge until they gave up the blanket. 
Since they didn't have any others, they had to sleep the rest of the night without one and buy another. The truth is, it was their blanket and I was mad, but now I have a new blanket. <laughs> Sincerely, single, but I have a nice blanket. Um, I'm sorry. I, this- I'm here for it. That's definitely petty, but that's good. That's good. I can't believe that you gaslit this person into believing that it was your blanket in the first place. But yes. they did break up with you in the middle of the night. So deserved. Yes, that is gaslighting. But I support that petty action. Right. As a petty Be- bitch. Uh, yeah, I guess that's all we have to say is we support. And I'm glad it's a nice blanket. Was this written by Brittany? Because it screams written by Brittany. I don't know. I have no idea where we got this shit from, but you're right. It does scream. No, Brittany definitely didn't do that, but it does give Brittany energy. It does. Is Rage um, talking to us? Does Rage know that she is on mute? I think she knows she's on mute. Okay, but just making okay. sure. Maybe it was written by Rage. We'll never know. Yeah. Stay tuned. For next time. Um, do we have anything else to say about this? No, we ain't got we shit to else to up? say. <laughs> okay. We sick of y'all. And y'all probably sick of us. Um, but thanks to our petty friends with their petty problems who wrote into our show. If you want to hear your petty problems read aloud on the show, send us an email at 99problems.pod at gmail.com. Again, that's 90 spelled out. N-I-N-E-T-Y for y'all who can't spell. The number I can't. nine problems.pod at gmail.com I was definitely looking at it and like when you write 90 so many times it starts to look wrong and I feel like we we pronounce 90 like n-i-n-e-d-y you know we would pronounce it our t's like d's 90 90 okay anywho all of your problems are welcome so long as we don't have to call the feds the police nobody we don't want to call anyone and y'all aren't going to get us caught up in your mess no you know um but yeah thank you for listening to this week's episode of 99 problems and school vouchers and the other long list of things are definitely one of them i want to thank rapper zinni for producing the intro outro music for our podcast you can find his music on apple music and spotify and make sure you tune in every tuesday to hear the three of us on the brink of our villain era and voice the the frustrations you've been carrying on your shoulders 